Hey guys, welcome back to the JCC podcast for episode number 28. We are welcomed today by our senior coach on the JCC team in the form of Zach Farrell. And he's on the podca- podcast for the first time actually so far. So we'll introduce him and see how he's getting on. How are you today, Zach? I'm doing great. Uh, how are you getting on? Very, very good. Are you, are you excited to jump onto our first podcast together? <laughs> excited and a little bit nervous. Haven't done anything like this before. So uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how this goes. It'd be all good. I think it's a really important, it's an easy topic to talk of for, for yourself and myself as we see so much exposure to this and first of all yourself and myself um in our first lockdown together when i was coaching you and then also just kind of the the run-up to this as well this opening of the gyms as well and it's a really really important topic to have um in line with everyone's training because there are so many injuries that we can pick up and potential just negative impacts from just going straight in where we were before not having some of these and methods and it has to be that those underlying methods to the madness i think and people want to go in there and just run in and i'm sure you're, you're the same as well and go in there and absolutely bury yourself on a leg press hack squat leg stick, whatever it is but that is just that's going to be extremely unproductive for us going forward so this this podcast is all going to be about kind of prepping people for for getting back into the gym in the most efficient and effective manner without the risk of injury and all those kind of negative impacts going forward. So um, let's get started. I think there's actually going to be 10, 10 points all in all, which is nice. And um, the first one is going to be setting yourself a big body compositional goal. One that like really, really excites you, excites you. Um, as you're well aware of guys that were massive on um, myself and Zach is creating a vision, having some sort of long-term goals and where we're actually headed for regarding muscle growth and fat loss. Um, how do you feel about that point, Zach? And do you have any points to make on on the back of that? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, I think, like, especially touching on the fact that I joined your several coaching as well. And um, back in, I think it was July when gyms were open here. Um, I think I came to you with the goal of again, I wanted to try to get very, very lean. I think at the time we were looking at potentially doing a photo shoot too. And I think having some sort of goal or marker like that is really, really just important to kind of motivate yourself going into uh, going into the gym. So yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with that. Yeah, it's, it, it genuinely is. And from a, I know that every single client that comes on board with us will sit down and say, like, we have our, our little phases and have our planners ready to go for them in their training plan where we have, we'll run a 16 week recomposition phase into a, a strength phase or a gaining phase and even probably have, have as close, probably about a year or so, a year and a half of the um of the, of the next year and a half mapped out of what phases we need to be doing how long they're going to be going and what goals are the phases because as i'm sure you're aware if you know that you're in a, a gaining phase for nine months would you feel more confident knowing that like we're go- running it for nine months then it's a recomposition phase or we're doing a photo shoot or whatever it is would you feel more confident knowing that that you understand the times and the phases and the goal of the phases from a coaching perspective yeah, definitely. I think it just gives you that kind of, it's just gives you that mindset to kind of, again, just work towards that, again, that end goal, essentially, um, yeah. going through those different phases as well. So, yeah, and that's something that you've really, like, that you really instilled me um, as a client, but that we've really, that you've shown me and taught me as well with regards to uh, coming on board with coaching as well. And, yeah, the importance of it is huge. Yeah, I think that all the clients that you're working with, now me and Zach would would jump onto call this exact time every single week and jump through everyone, run through everyone's um, pretty much a little a, a bit of a debrief of what's been going on during the week and stuff. And I think that instill the main thing that we always try and talk about yourself, myself, and something that you're doing very well now is is instilling that goal. And I think that everyone that's listening who is going back into the gym is just have that clear goal in mind because without that, and we go in there without a plan, without direction or focus, we're, we're going to end, end up running into a wall. 
So number two is going to be to evaluate your current work, college, school routine, whatever stage of your life that you're in at the moment for you um, to understand and evaluate how much time you can devote to. Zach, I'll let you take that one. Yeah, I think like a lot of people just kind of want to throw everything completely at, uh, at like they, they see the goal of like, okay, I want to drop, I don't know, six, seven kilos or whatever, maybe I drop, or drop like a, um, a significant level of body fat and they, for the first few weeks, they throw everything at it and then the next thing they drop off and they set themselves unrealistic goals where I think if you go, right, okay, what's the most optimal way I can go about it? So if you're working, let's say a nine to five, it's probably one of the best kind of structures I think that you could have because you have like set times in which you can eat, times to train, everything like that and you can just plan your day and your week perfectly so i think like making sure that you um making sure that you have that sort of plan set in stone is just really really important for uh, for yourself and just kind of again so that you don't throw everything at it and that you're more consistent throughout 100 and and just biting off more than you can chew do you know how many times do you see like even myself looking back at training over the years i know jesse one of the girls that i, I was coaching a couple of months ago and um, definitely brought it to my attention where it was the fact that and you guys can probably use this as an example to yourself where you're just trying to do you think we, we all think more is better when sometimes it actually isn't because what happens when we scale up quantity more than likely our quality is going to reduce and what jesse found and with her training was that we were trying to do a five day week split on top of work, on top of study, on top of working two jobs. I think she was at that stage as well and just became where she just no wants to go, no desire to go in and train. So immediately the first thing was to to cut everything back. So we, what we did, did there was evaluated her structure, evaluated her school and college times where she where she was taken up during the week and said where we can train is around here. So. If there's a point to be made here, especially early doors, is less is more. Do do less work at an extremely high quality, recover from it, rather than going in there and training six, seven days a week on top of cardio, on top of everything. You're never going to get the result that we want. So take it from us at this stage. I think that um, less is more and, and trying to evaluate where you can plan in across the week, where you can train, where you can meal prep, where you can sleep, where you can go for a walk, all these small little things that you might think that, um, are, are insignificant but those one percents do add up yeah 100 yeah training plan so number three is going to be around creating a training plan slash weekly planner no did i just say that sorry creating a, a training plan slash weekly planner around that from a frequency perspective so probably actually just ran in the two and three together here by mistake so we'll say this is two and three and kind of tick the box from there but in terms of like from a, a frequency perspective zach what would you look for um maybe if we're if we ha- if we're working really really busy job and we have like rugby in the evening or some football some extra curriculars outside what 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 would you kind of advise going for and um, from a training split perspective so again it, it, it's just so it's so individual so it really depends obviously in on the, obviously the person and um, well obviously you want to try to hit everything at least once two times a week depending on obviously the exposure they have so if you've got a client that's exposed to say football and um, obviously you can utilize their cardio sessions but you know that their legs are going to be told so do, is it necessary for them to have two leg days over the course of the week maybe not it really depends on obviously the individual um and yeah that's where that's where like obviously in the questionnaire it's important for clients to outline exactly what's going on because then we can go right okay let's not completely hammer you with two leg sessions and go with an upper or split potentially and um, where something like a push pull legs may be more favorable and um, something along those lines, I guess. 
Yeah, hundred percent. And it's one of those ones. What's the most optimal split probably to work off? Probably going to be around that pull push legs or more of a high frequency split. But again, if you have football, if you have uh, very very busy work work like maybe you're working eight to eight and you're listening to this and say, can we fit these kind of things in? And then again, it all comes back to that quantity quality debate. If we try and add too much in, then then we're not going to get the results after. So even stuff like what what's your thoughts on kind of full body splits and, and things like that? If if let's say we're um, a single parent, you know, we're working a really uh, really hectic job and we have this that and the other on top of each other, can we, we can't get in train four four times a week? What would your answer to that kind of be? Yeah, I think full body full body splits is a good approach. I think like to be honest, that was how I trained for the first. I think. Yeah two or three years so there's the only thing i kind of knew was one of the things that like so i, I come from a rugby background um and it was one of the, like we were training i think three days a week on top of two to three days of rugby as well on top of that plus then a match too and i think even when i finished rugby and was in college and everything like that um i i really found that like going forward a a, a full body split or approaches were just more optimal and it's something that i apply with a lot of clients because not everyone has like four or five days to train the gym so yeah. i've got someone in two to three days like you can really just hound it and get them like most of a session in that in that full body approach. So that's something that I I definitely think if you are right, you, you can't throw everything at the training, yeah. and you can only get again reiterating those two two three days. That full body approach is definitely something that I would apply with a client. Yeah, and if it worked for you, I think over your first couple of years of training, I think we can all agree that if anyone's seen Zach's physique, that it definitely definitely is a is a method that we can potentially use going forward for sure. Um, in terms of uh, number four is going to be around checklist before your session. So we look at kind of just these small little minute details. I would say probably writing this um, was probably the least of my concern regarding everything. Um, however, it is important to just have these in play because from a performance standpoint, just making sure that you're not absolutely fried because myself and Zach were talking about this earlier that our exposure to these kind of training sessions, intensities, loads, is probably very low if you're like most of us who are in lockdown so having these kind of things in place like having water do you know it's such a simple one that a lot of people forget about do we have enough water in the system and to make sure that performance doesn't drop a little uh, stat for you would be that at a minimum even excuse me two percent dehydration can cause a decrement in performance so if you are not hydrated going to that session you're not you're not going to have fun in there because you're you're going to have a decrement to your performance Electrolytes as well is going to be very, very important going forward. Make sure electrolyte balance is correct so that we can actually get a pump. Having a little bit of um, salt or sodium or pink salt even in our pre-workout meal. Um, and then that leads to our previous one as well, pre-workout meal. So when we look at kind of a pre-workout meal that might be favorable and timing-wise around that, what would you kind of look for um, in, in those two? So let's say time-wise, when would you look to be getting a pre-workout in and um, if I'm training at midday, middle of the day at kind of one o'clock. So you're looking at your pre-workout meal to be like finishing your pre-workout meal about two hours beforehand and like making sure so that gives sufficient level for digestion and uh, making sure there's a significant amount of uh, carbon, like touching all uh, macronutrients, sufficient levels of carbohydrates to fuel the session, making sure that we've got uh, sufficient amount of protein as well, especially if we're broken, if we're having um, safe formulas throughout the day as well. So we don't just kind of... Yeah overload one as one opposed to the other. Um, and then obviously the fat content to make sure that we're um, releasing sufficient levels of glucose throughout those two hours as well. And again, just making sure that the sources and, cho and choices as well aren't um, kind of too heavy because there's nothing worse than you have like a massive amount of food and the next thing you're still feeling very, very full into a session and you're thinking halfway through, let's say a leg session, I feel a little sick. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the, the two hour window is uh, definitely something that 
I need, that's something that I really, really picked up when training with yourself as well. It was something that you implemented and it wouldn't have been something I would have kind of thought of before, but I definitely noticed when I've um, applied it, I'm going to say the, just how, I'm going to say how much better the sessions were because I didn't, like I wasn't feeling I'm hungry or oh, that I eat enough or how is the session going to uh, be affected because the, the feel that I have going into it. So definitely a tier win of prior to it. Nice. Absolutely. And I can say from a experience on, when was it last, last Friday, right before I trained, we're, we're in lockdown now for anyone that's know in Melbourne and I had a lower body session, I think it was on the Friday. And I said, I was going to train kind of first thing just because or after my first meal, just because I didn't want the gym to close and I wanted to get a session. So I was like, I usually have like 160 grams of rice and, and some eggs for my pre-workout. So I said, okay, I'll just make that as oats, 160 grams of oats. I can confirm if anyone has never tried to eat 160 grams of oats, it doesn't feel good after I can confirm with hundred percent. So when I went in there and it was a little bit shorter than 120 minutes, it was about 90 minutes from kind of last bite to the beginning of my warm up. I was doing like a, a, a lying leg curl and my st- honestly, every time I went down to even just do warm up exercise, my stomach was just, just not right because it was so bloated. So if we can use this for an example, one, I didn't allow digestibility to occur. So my time wasn't correct. And two, my choice of food was not something that was going to digest at that large amount. So understanding what foods digest well and correctly before your session, and was giving it enough time to actually digest as well is going to be really, really important. Do you ever find that with foods that there's certain ones that don't digest well with you? Um, yeah 100 like so when if i know let's say i've got like a 90 minute window before training and i'm like like if let's say something's eating in time or whatever maybe my choice won't go from oats like because typically i've oats my pre-workout wheel i'll go with some like weedabix um, and i just find it i don't know what it is because i think because it turns into almost glue when i say when i've had it yeah. um but it's just it's so, it's so easy digestible um so i find that's a little more efficient whereas if i have like oats directly beforehand or yeah, something along those lines. I definitely feel like just like you said, bloated. Um, yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Like, and it's just again, again, if you're doing like a hack spot, it's the last thing you need to be thinking of. Like, is like, <laughs> I just you just feel awful. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can. Yeah. I can vouch for that as well, for sure. Um, so hopefully that that's cleared up the kind of pre-list. And again, there, there's small little minute things, but just they don't have to be implemented right away, but making sure that this is cemented into your kind of routine pre, pre-workout going forward. Warm-ups. Um, something that I did talk about on a previous podcast was this around the warm-ups. And I remember using, for example, some, I think, what, what gyms were you saying earlier, Jack, that, or uh, Zach even, excuse me, that some are open and some, or some are open for, hour long slots and some are open for 45 is that the case around the place or what's the i think it depends on the gym i think i think a gym like i think most gyms like five because they're used to such high volume of people going in at the same time they're going to be over from what i know no i think they're this is based on the previous lockdown they haven't sent an official email yet but they were um i think you're implementing a 75 minute window so an hour and 15 which isn't too bad um Mm -hmm. i know with some of the gyms in a um Kind of more peak hours they're operating with time slots so potentially like an hour time slot then um i think like the likes are raw doing that so like 6 to 8 a.m they're implementing that too um and then i'm trying to think from my understanding i think again all waiting on official emails from from these clubs i'm going to say but i i think it was shoreline and graystones were operating with a 90 minute window and um, give or take so 
a nice amount of one. Is a, that's a pretty that's decent a one. That's a very well. good one. I remember yeah. when we were over here, when it, when the gyms opened, it was 30 minutes at the beginning. And this is probably right. where I'm getting this. It was 30 minutes, went to 45, then 50, and then it just opened up after. So what the, my point was here was was to warm up. Like if you have a 60-minute session, like and some of the plans that we'd be giving out now, Zach, as well, I'm sure you're obviously you're well aware of, that it's high exercise selection. There's a high amount of volume because when you're in the gym, we prioritize the gym. The gym is where we change our physique. The gym is where we need to try and be and optimize. So we do give a good, 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 large exercise selection. If you have kind of 45 minutes or 60 minutes in there, and then your warm up is on top of that, you're just eating into that time period. So my advice and what I used to do is I'd just be in the car park standing outside the gym with a resistance band and a mat, and I'd be doing lumbar rolls and um banded distractions things like that but as soon as you walk in the gym that first second you're straight over to your first exercise pec tech leg extension ductor whatever it is so you can just optimize and be more efficient in that time because there's no point you walk in the gym spend 15 minutes adequately warming up because again sorry actually i forgot to make this point warming up is so bloody important now that you guys are going back to the gym because load exposure has been so low so your warm-ups need to be probably about 15 minutes a pulse razor activate and mobilize all joints and, and muscle groups around there but if you spend that much time in the gym doing that isn't it a, a bit of a waste of time yeah 100 definitely like in if you're restricted with time typically and i've seen this because like i'm a flight remember i've gone to a couple of different ones Everyone goes to the same piece of equipment. Everyone goes to the bench press because they, <laughs> yeah. they want to try get into it for, uh, first. They want to try to go to the squat rack straight away. And I, I, I'd say, if anything, um, more and more people become injured because they're going straight in because they're so refined the yeah. time and they're not uh, adequately warming up. Um, so like it, it can be obviously annoying that you're not getting the piece of equipment that's available because um, obviously these gyms are trying to get as many people in that they can, obviously with, with social distancing and everything like that. But um, you still need to be smart about it. You need to have a smart approach and make sure that you're sufficiently warmed up going into that session. So, so, so important. And honestly, the amount of times you get people coming back from a coaching perspective, just went in there and you just even hear people getting on to me the last time it was locked down, just being like, I actually kind of tweaked my pec or something like this. Or even just friends going in there and just going, like you said, eyeballing that bench press because we haven't we've just done push-ups for the last three four months and then getting under a bar lifting crazy loads that we were doing for previously and getting injured and that kind of leads us into the next point as well so this is i'd say probably if, if there's one point that needs to be um needs to be hammered home it's going to be this one so can you lift the same weights you were in your previous uh, in your previous time in the gym, like what percentages would you advise the listeners act to kind of work to work on um, regarding percentages of what we did previously? Let's take a, an RDL, for example, if we were able to do a hundred kilo RDL, can we go in and do that again? Or what, what the, would, what would the percentages look like? So there's quite a few different variables towards it. So it depends on obviously. So let's take Arne, for example, we've been locked down for the last six months. So if you haven't had any soldier towards, um, this is just like the most extreme. You haven't had any exposure to any sort of or yeah, hinge pattern in any shape or form. Um, I approach it very cautiously and go with something maybe like a 50, 60 percent or so. And leave a couple, quite a few repetitions in the tank because I think if we go straight in and go for like right, okay, I used to be able to do 100, I'm going to go for about 80 and not about 20 kilos off. You'll find, let's say you're doing three sets of 10 for argument's sake, you'll find the first set of 10 will probably be, and let's look at the OPE scale here, um, will probably be about a seven or eight out of 10. And by the time you get to that last set, your form is probably poor um, and you're probably struggling to complete the set as well. Yeah. So you're, you're better off going with like a less, more approach. And even if you're coming out of that session going, right, okay, 
I'm probably going to give them more. You're probably going to feel doms the next day. So the most important right. thing going in there is hammering your movement pattern, making sure the uh, technique is absolutely spot on and perfect. Go with a less is more approach. Start with that 50, 60% and then build it up week by week. Um, and just kind of really just hammer those points home. I mean, that's the kind of two most yeah. pivotal, I guess. 100%. And from a fatigue perspective, like you're looking at even sessions now, like when I've been trying, well, obviously we're in lockdown now, but when you, when you guys get into months and months and months, you need to understand that the higher up that percentage goes, every action has a reaction. The The demand then from a, a recovery and fatigue yeah. perspective has to come up with that. So I actually remember going in and I hadn't trained. Our lockdown was really, really, I was like close to eight months or something without having a barbell in my hands. And I walked in yeah. there and I genuinely couldn't, couldn't lift up 60 kilos off the floor as an RDL. So I just couldn't do it. Yeah. So, so it might be the case for you guys as well that you might not even be able to get anywhere near that, which would kind of be a blessing in disguise. I, I, from, from like anecdotally and my advice to all of you guys would not use that week as a week where you think I'm going to change my physique in a week. That isn't mm-hmm. going to happen. The first week, I think Zach, you really actually made a nice point there. It's just about nailing that pattern again, getting in there with a little bit of weight in hands at about 50 to 70%. And just nailing down those patterns, barbell squat, barbell bench, lateral raise. You know, some people might not have actually touched a dumbbell for, for months now, you know? So I think that the, the main, the main key to this is load exposure. I know that a lot of people have been uh, invested in barbells, squat racks, you know, some of the girls that I'm training at the moment, some of the guys as well, just have incredible home, home kits. Like, um, Emer has these, uh, barbells and dumbbells and all pull-up bars and stuff at home is absolutely amazing should be able to walk straight into gym and work probably about 85 90 percent no problem at all but if you are like me and we're working with bands and push-ups for months and months and months there's no way we can do that so my advice to you guys is to evaluate where you are on that scale more than likely i'd say 80 80 percent of the listeners now are working probably with push-ups and bands and stuff like that 50 to 70 percent week one 70 to 80 percent week two week three 80 to 90 and then you can probably start to move into week four 90 to 100 percent slow and steady now is going to give you much more longevity remember that your ligaments and tendons have not held on to that much load and they probably won't be happy over the first couple of weeks and get back to training as well logbooks one of our favorite topics going forward how important is the logbook and tell us a little bit about what it is first of all and, and why we need it where to start, I guess. Um, actually, it's only funny. It's funny. Like, I, I would have, I think, for just before lockdown, I hadn't used the logbook in about, like, the very first lockdown, but pre yeah. March last year. Like, I hadn't used the logbook in, I think, about six months. And it was only when I was, when I inquired of coaching with yourself, and you're like, right, I need you to get a logbook. Like, I need you to get a logbook. I was like, right, okay. And I've really invested in it. Um, but yeah, so logbook, um, I mean, where is that? It's pr- pretty much on a week-by-week basis. You can look at exactly where you were last week yeah. to where you are this week. It's writing every session down. It's also the mindset as well to your training. So um, with your logbook, making sure that you're writing down each session before you even touch the gym. Personally, I like writing that for the week. So my Sunday, I write my my uh, my my sessions in for the week. Obviously, if I have to take an reco- uh, impromptu recovery day, perfectly fine. Obviously, I can just roll the session on. But um yeah, it just means that you're going and you're not looking at what am I doing, where am I going. You just have that bulletproof mindset going. Right? Okay, first exercise, uh, let's say 
dumbbell ladder raise or cable ladder raise, whatever it may be, um, then second exercise and just flowing through the session. Because if you have to yeah. stop, you're going to lose intensity. You're not going to get the maximum of that session. And then from a time efficiency perspective, if you've got a 75-minute window and you're going, what do I do next? And I would have sold this here and what would I do there? Like you're losing time. You're not getting the maximum of that session. And it means we can't be, we just can't get the maximum out of it. And I think I just really rinsed that point home there. But uh, but yeah, so that's yeah, kind of sense. that's kind of it. No, 100%. And just having that, like you said, that objective data, I think you said somewhere along there kind of like have that mindset of beating yourself each week. I know that once I introduce this to a lot of people, it's something that we really, really um, take into massive consideration here in our coaching because hypertrophy is done through a progressive stimulus. Without a progression, progression, you don't know if you've you don't know if you're moving forward here. And not knowing what you did the week before, we need to know we did an RDL for sixty kilos for six reps. Next week we need to get seven. Next week we need to get eight. And having that mindset is very very important. If you don't have written down, you're just remembering what you're doing, which I did for, by the way, I did this for years. I've just got, I'm a bit on my high horse here, my logbook high horse. I've just finished my first logbook ever that I've used. I always <laughs> used my phone before, but I yeah. can't, I can't actually say how important they are right now from a progression, from a progression standpoint. Um, have, have you, have you found yours over this kind of lockdown period and everything moving forward for you? Not too bad. I think I'm going into next week in a very, very good position. So I'm kind of lucky, yeah. but, um, yeah, like like I said, like I would have been similar to yourself. I, I would have been like, oh, well, last week I think I did it. It's, it's yeah. like 75 kilos, and this week I'll, I'll try a little bit more. And I think especially like, so we still like be in the rights of progression. Like before, I would have just been like, oh, well, I did 75 last week. I can try 80 this week. And I wouldn't have like yeah. worked, uh, worked up obviously the repetition scheme before as well. But I think that's just um, lack of knowledge at the time. But I think, uh, yeah, just with, with the approach going forward, I've obviously gone, right, okay, if we're going with a five to nine rep range, so to speak, um, sticking that that 75 kilos and just working those reps up and then you again earning that right to progress and that's just there uh, yeah the, the logbook's been so key going right okay last week i actually last week i got seven this week i got eight so on and so forth and again just yeah. having that that objective objective data to try to beat yourself each week is uh personally it's 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 so pivotal um yeah for my training because i'm quite uh performance based yeah absolutely 100% I think as well writing down the sessions before you've actually got in there is quite nice to do first of all from a like it's just kind of a bit more even sometimes I would do it like I know you do it on the Sunday and which is nice because you're kind of thinking about during the week and this might seem a bit like strange for some people might not be at that kind of level of mindset but if you're 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 kind of you're you're waiting oh i have pull tomorrow now that's rdl i need to hit that 140 for for nine reps or whatever it is and just kind of on the minds that when you get into the session you've already lived that moment you've already been there uh, in your mindset rather than walking in going god what day is it today like what day is it it's push day today oh yeah, yeah yeah What's on the Barbara Lincoln? Oh yeah, what's I do last week? And you're not even thinking about the session. We need to visualize that session before. And the best way to do so is through that logbook and having those performance goals. And I think that you said yourself there, which kind of leads us into point eight is setting yourself. I think that letting the first week or two, just letting the dust settle for the first week or two for all of you guys, and then really looking down performance goals. So from from a performance goal standpoint, what are performance goals? Performance goals are simply like, let's say, having a a specific load for specific specific weight for specific reps for for a specific exercise. So maybe that's saying, I want to barbell back squat in the next three months, uh, 100 kilos for eight reps, something like that. And every single client that comes in to work with us, we ask them to give five performance goals every single uh, 12 weeks. 
So on a three-month basis that we rotate them, performance goals, um, physical goals, and psychological or ment mental health and well-being goals as well. But performance goals is all about having a load to chase. How important has that been for you from a, a progression standpoint in your big lifts, your main compound ones, even your isolations as well? I mean, it would have always been big lifts, I guess. And I think, like, yeah, it's it's always been kind of the, the main focus or gear from training i guess that kind of comes back to the for, for me the, the the rugby training standpoint we we used to operate off like a a three big lifts in a session and then do like a wad afterwards um or something like that or do some sort of like yes pretty much a wad um and i think that's always kind of been a bit of a focus and now what i do is i instill that into each session so like yeah. before it would have been a full body approach doing like say uh let's say an incline press uh deadlift variation on some sort of some sort of um like a row or pull or something like that. That's the, the approach that we had at the time. And maybe looking back in hindsight, wasn't the best approach, but now I think like going forward, I have that on like a day by day uh, focus, I guess. So like for myself, I know with a flat bench, I want to hit like 150 for a set of five. That's my goal. I know for a squat, I want to hit 200 for a set of five as well, like a back squat, um, all these sort of small goals. And then like, I get so into the numbers. And like yeah. I must beat myself up in a session if I don't get it. And I, you, you see it with lots of people, like with lots of people as well. They get so so focused on numbers because it's just I don't know. There's just such a passion towards it. Um, it's always been something that I focus on, especially when I tapered off playing rugby. I was like, okay, well, I want to channel this energy into something else. And like, well, I can only improve myself and making sure that I'm hammering these movements with the best technique and getting the maximum out of it. There's, a, there's just something so satisfying for myself from it. I think that in the coach's shoes as well, I think we're very objective focus. We look at our data analysis for the week and it's the only real kind of objective data that we can measure ourselves on week to week where we can see our progress photos. It's all subjective, all these kind of things. And we can measure the width of our bicep or whatever it is. But really, like when it comes down to the week to week basis, those kind of objective numbers are really nice. I know you and me are in competition. What's, what are we trying to hit again? The incline bench? Uh, 140 incline. I hit 125. Oh, you have hit 125. I hit 125 for six. Uh, so I'm, I'm 15 kilos off. So we've hit 140 on incline. And I've hit, he comes in and says, I want to do 140 kilo better to try and hit, see who hits it first. He's on 125 and I'm on 105. So I think there's only, been, <laughs> unfortunately, only going to be one winner here, but I'll give him my best shot. But that's a, a perfect example of a performance goal. Like could having yeah. three plates on that bench for five reps would be a huge amount of load, which is only going to have a positive benefit on our physique. So Zach and myself are absolutely zoned into achieving that. And every session that we go in, we just have 140 on the, on the, in the head, 140, yeah. 140, 140. And having those performance goals are going to drive us in that right direction. Recovery. So with all these performance goals, with all this, this tracking and progression, with all this, these train plans and how hard we're going to train now, how can we, it's going to be inevitable. I think that even I'd, I'd kind of taken a week off train there, did a couple of push-ups and a few pull-ups and I can't move my, I can't rotate my body a couple of degrees either side right now. So it's inevitable that DOMS is going to be very high and it's inevitable that we're going to be sore in places. It's inevitable that we're going to feel a little bit fatigued as well do be very, very clear that the fatigue is going to be very neurologically driven. You're going to be lifting loads. The, probably the heaviest thing that you guys have been lifting over the last number of weeks is lifting a couple of books off the ground, lifting, moving the chair around the place, moving your laptop from the desk to whatever. Those are the kind of loads that are natural to lift along lockdown. 
have you been squatting with 100 kilos in your back? Have you been benching 80 kilos in your hands? Probably not. And this is going to cause systemic fatigue or neurological fatigue. And you're going to feel maybe a little bit wiped after your session. You're going to feel a little bit lethargic and tired after. But just note, this is 100% natural. And the only way to get past that is by just, just keep training and keeping frequency of training high. In terms of recovery, let's say from a kind of fatigue and also Dom's perspective, Let's say one of your couple of your clients this week in your check-ins or next week in check-in said, God, Zach, I can barely move. I feel really, really tired. What are the kind of, which is probably going to happen for all of us. And um, yeah. what are the kind of the interventions that you would put in place with, with your clientele? So I implemented an additional, so potentially an additional recovery day. Um, potentially, I'm not going to say run a deloader. I think they're quite a point where they need to run a deload as such. But if, like, if this was like, several weeks down the line, potentially incorporating something like a deal out and um, just trying to optimize recovery as much as possible to try in a way of like uh, having salt baths, making sure there's sufficient hydrated small, all these kind of, all these sort of 1% that you'd look at. Um, potentially if they have the availability to go and use some sort of um, sauna or something like that. And just from like a HRV perspective, try to bring that, uh, so try to bring a HRV up as high as, as high as we can. Um, and how, how, how do we do those kind of things? So you, you said water intake is very, very important. Quality nutrition is obviously going to be very, very important. Getting good, good quality nutrient dense foods and not eating pop tarts and Coke pops all day. Unfortunately, that, that would be very nice to do, but it's not going to improve our recovery. It's not going to improve our physique as well in small amounts, of course, but water quality of nutrition, sleep, of course, the most important one, making sure we yeah. get adequate sleep. What about stress management? Is there anything that we can implement there? There's the likes of our guided breathing and um, potentially some journaling as well. Um, a little bit of reading as well, because I think especially at the moment, everyone's been so switched on the screens um, just trying to switch off them as much as possible. So reading, um, like I said, uh, potentially an absolute salt bath and even just movement, getting yeah, yeah. out steps as well. Like steps is so key, especially because the weather is finally beginning to pick up in Ireland. So like, it's going to be something like data exposure will be so, so key for us as well from, from a recovery perspective. Just yep. keep moving. And I think the, one of the worst things we can do when we're, let's say so fatigue from, from training is to stop moving. And that's such a thing that I see with a lot of clients that I like, know I'm really wrecked at that session. It's like, well, what have you done over the last couple of days? Oh, well, I just not stayed in bed, but I just, I was just at work here. And it's like, okay, we well, need to get up and move a little bit more. The less you move, the, the more stiff you're going to feel, the worse the next session is going to feel as well. Cause you're not going to, you're not going to recover as much. You're not going to put as much into the next session either. Yeah. Um, Yes, I, yeah, so blood, blood, blood just being really stagnant in the body, like me sitting here at a desk all day, my legs are just like, there's no, nothing really going on there. So we need to get blood flow up, getting the heart rate up a little bit, going for a brisk pace, walk, stretching as well. Stretching, foam rolling is going to be very, very important and not having to, not absolutely hammering yourself on that foam roller um, as well, where you can't move. Just gentle foam rolling is going to drive blood into the, into those areas, driving nutrients into those areas, which is only going to help from a recovery perspective massively here. Um, mm. The also use of some supplementation as well, some ashwagandha is the best one. I know that you guys have probably seen me post about it 101 times now, but the neuro PM, actually, you know what? I actually don't even know what it's called. Is it the, is it the neuro... Neuromax PM. Yeah, I think it's Neuromax PM. It's made by Strom, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a Strom. It's called the Neuromax PM or the Neuro PM Max, something like this. Is an absolutely world-class, probably one of the best supplements on the market from a fatigue and recovery perspective. It, the use of some ashwagandha, lion's mane, lemon balm, PPS, 
L-theanine, all these things are really, really important for recovery. And when we can, you can do all the stress management, you can do all the guided breathing, you can do all the meditation, the, the, the um, uh, daylight exposure that you want, but sometimes we do need to supplement on top of these, especially if our exposure to load when we get back to training is going to be quite high. So water, stress management, sleep being the main thing, movement, stretching, and also some supplementation as well is going to be very, very important. The last one, and, and a very, very important one, I think that we just live in a, in a world where I think that people just want to go, and you know what, yourself and myself probably, um, I was just so stubborn to ask for help for, for so long. I just wanted to find it by myself. I wanted to be that coach that just got into really good shape without any help. And just got to a stage where I'm sure you guys can relate to this as well, that maybe you've been, to, maybe not this year as much, but over the last couple of years, you've been putting in all this effort, training hard, being frequent, being consistent in the gym, nailing your cardio, doing your nutrition and nailing your nutrition. But, but your physique doesn't really reflect that. And I was just actually was on to a, a call earlier today about this kind of stuff. And that means to me that there is a couple of screws loose. And when we have this, when we're in our own shoes and we have, we don't have, we're completely emotionally attached to what we're doing at the moment. No, what I'm doing at the moment is perfect. It is a hundred percent. I can't, can't do anything better. No one's going to tell me anything better than what I'm doing. And we, we don't make the decisions that we need to be made there. We might need to drop food and we say, Oh, you know what? It's okay for another week here. So the number 10 and probably one of the most important one is going to be asking for help to get that perfect plan in place from a nutrition training and lifestyle perspective as well. How was it for you when you, when you came on to me, actually, funny enough, um, regarding training stuff with that, did you feel that you just passed on everything to, to me to look after and manage and to try and move yourself forward? So you can, you can really um, nail down and, and concentrate on things, the training, the nutrition, the stress, the lifestyle stuff, rather than having to worry about programming and calories and, and all that kind of stuff. How did you find that? Yeah. So I think I would have taken away from there. I'm like, I know what I'm doing. I know like the best, like not, I know the best approach, but like what I'm doing is fine. I'm getting good results and everything like that. And a couple of the big reasons why I went to is we were coming out of lockdown and I would have been so excited to get into the gym to, and again, I probably would have been that client that would have ran themselves into the floor and like, yeah. I haven't done this in a while. I want to do this, I want to do that. And I was like, why can't I do this? And your head does get, get, get the better of you. Um, so it would have been that client completely. But um, then on the flip side, because I know I was going back into work. So obviously as a, as a trainer, like sometimes you work like 12, 14 hour days because you were clients and then new classes and shift work and everything like that. In that position, there was quite a few variables that I wanted to have someone look over for me. So I was making sure that my output was sufficiently high, which I think my step counts in the day were like 30,000 almost every day. Um, making sure that my training was in a, a good position, that my food and nutrient times were, um, Correct as well, but around that day too. And then the biggest take home as well, because I was doing all of that and trying to prioritize obviously other people's training, the recovery items and things. And that was something that I really, really struggled with. And that was pretty yeah. my biggest take home point from the coaching elements being yeah. like exactly again, like four or five hours sleep. You need to prioritize this and get this more because you're then not going to be able to train. And we need to run a deal out because you're so, so fatigued or whatever, maybe. So there's so many different variables. Um, but yeah, they were, they were such big take home points from us for me. And it just meant that I could like because I had someone else manage it for myself, it meant that I could literally go, right, okay, I can focus on, like you said, lifestyle and work, everything like that. Um, and it was just one less thing to focus on um, for myself. And that was, that was the, as much as it was such a uh, bullet to buy, because again, I would have been quite proud in the way I would have yeah. went in about training. Um, 
it was such a relief in doing it because it meant right okay i don't even need to think about that because i'm like almost robotic in that sort of sense sort of like meals would have been fine training would have been fine and just had been like didn't even need to think about it like i could just bring the intensity towards the training session then go back into work and kind of prioritize everything else and it was just such a relief for me i i, I can't even explain it um but yeah, it was it was just such a such a great feeling to not have to again just focus on that because there was just so many other things going on going on in that time. Hundred percent, I could, couldn't agree with you more. It's, since moving up, to, I think the I think for any coaches that um, are listening as well, I think you said it perfectly there. It's a bit it's a bit of pride, you know. Like it's like no, I don't I don't need to coach. Like I, I I've gotten here, uh, however I have. Um, I'll find a way, you know, and keep going, keep going. And then like you look back at photos and you look back at your physique and go, I really haven't got, got where I needed to get over the last year or so. And myself getting on, getting on AJ and getting him in my court, like I'll have him for years. You know, I actually will, will say that with a hundred percent certainty, him looking after all that stuff from a, um, a training perspective, from planning perspective, changing, rotating, evaluating my lifts, looking at my recovery, telling me when I'm bad, telling me when I'm good, these kind of things, and just pointing me and directing my energy into the place that needs to be because I would always just go, put it back into training, put it back into training, put it back into training, when actually sometimes it needs to be somewhere else. I think that's the main thing that people come to us is to try and take those decisions out of their hands because emotionally we get attached to them and we just don't need that you know that's never going to lead us in the right direction so um listen i think that's that pretty much sums everything up and i think that's been a really really good 10 points have a plan in place execute and buy take your time with with building up intensity look to improve your performance over a long period of time and just keep recovery in place keep your body fresh going forward and do not be afraid to ask for some help and and that's what myself myself and zach are here for we both have online coaching slots available at the moment so please either drop myself and zach or or the team page either dm or else you can jump into the link in our bios um, and fill out an application form, jump onto Zoom call with myself, and um, which is going to be our results roadmap call where we will talk everything through where you are at the moment, where we actually want to try and get you to, and how we're going to get there as well. Gyms are open in the next six days. I think six days when we release this, I'll release this tomorrow. Um, so make sure that, that everything is in place for you to achieve those, those results that you actually deserve as well. Additionally, there is a massive opportunity for all of you guys and everyone on my page and anyone in general that is going to be the seven day transformation masterclass, which I will be holding on June 7th, which is in line with the gym's opening. This is going to be absolutely jam packed full of unmissable content. This is suitable for anyone who wants to improve their, uh, their, their current physique. Um, and also from a, a coaching perspective, I know there's a few coaches in there already as well, which is nice to see anyone that wants to try and improve their coaching skill set as well. It's going to be a really, really nice, um, really nice group. And I can't wait to get, get going. So hit the link in our bios, myself, Zach, or the team page. Number one and two is going to be online coaching applications and also the transformation masterclass. Really looking forward to seeing you there and taking all of your physique to the next level. Zach, thank you so much for jumping on. Really, really appreciate you taking the time and uh, we'll catch everyone in their check-ins and catch everyone in the next one. Perfect. Thanks for having me on, Josh. Really appreciate it.